40 Lessons. Episode 26 of the 40 Lessons podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thank you for tuning in and checking out another episode of 40 Lessons. The last couple weeks of my life, the black pride in me has it's it's been exploding. I have been so hype, hype because of of two things and they've intersected together and that's what this episode's all about. Black pride because of three women who are so dope and doing amazing things in the city of Richmond. Amy Wentz, Shmik Bowen, Kelly Lemon, these women led us through the black restaurant experience, which was food from, gosh, it had to be almost 40 different restaurants, these black owners, these black chefs creating all this wonderful food. Not only that, we had all these events around town that brought us into experience that helped us to think and to process and to be healthier to be entertained like it was just this amazing array of experience that that brought us together and this connection of culture and and food and helping us to see ourselves better to change who we are so dope (laughs) and so i walk into main street station and the new train shed and you know that's a beautiful space and so their ending event was stick a fork in it because it's done (laughs) And that was, so you have chefs there doing demos and you have people um, selling their food and so you can buy food from all these different vendors that were there, all these different chefs and restaurants. And then you had entertainment, so Legacy Band, who killed it. They always do, but they killed it. Lonnie B, Heavy Hitter, Michael White was hosting it. And so I walk into this room and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just seeing my people. And it felt like home. I felt this connection to men and women who who I've some of them I know better than others. Like there's some connections that are deeper, but even just knowing of someone and knowing their work and their contribution and how they're making a difference, how they're pouring back, how they have this standard of, of, of excellence is black excellence, but it's just excellence. Right. And I just I felt at home like these these are my people like look. Look at the array of greatness in this room. You've got people who are leaders in education and entertainment, people who have started their own businesses, people who are leaders within their corporations, authors, poets, singers, musicians, comedians, community advocates, down at the grassroots level, all the way up to people holding public office. These are my people. And just hanging out and talking with them and giving hisses and giving hugs and just saying hi. And I just, I just felt it. And it was so beautiful to see that celebration of who we are and what we've accomplished. It's super significant that that celebration happens on top of the ground where people who look like us were sold generations ago. That's what happened over at 17th street. That's what happened in those warehouses. We were sold. And now we stand up in front of people and we lead them through experiences. We stand up in front of people and, and we are elevated as people who have something to say, who have, who have insight, who have expertise. We make you laugh. We make you cry. We make you dance. 
We make you feel better about who you are. We hold you accountable. We pour into you. We make investments in our youth. We make investments in other adults. We solve problems. We create solutions. Amazing, wonderful people. Black Richmond excellence on the grounds where our ancestors lay, where their bones collect. And I know the ancestors are proud. I know they're proud of what we've accomplished. We're not done yet. No, 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 we're not done. But look, look at who we are now. And I felt it. I felt that so deeply in that room and so proud of these three women and so proud that they could create an opportunity for us to come together. And what happened in that room is what happens all the time when those opportunities come. We say, man, we should talk. We should catch up about this. You know what we could do? We could do this. You know what would be dope? Man, if we got together and started doing this thing, hey, don't forget, I'm doing this. Cool, but I'll be there to support that. Hey, we should talk because I'm doing this. I would love for you to help me. That's what was happening. I love the fact that we support each other. There's, there's, there's not a lot of pride. There's not a lot of ego. There's not a lot of, man, I can't believe so-and-so got that. I can't believe so-and-so did that. I can't believe so-and-so was on that show. I can't believe so-and-so got covered by that magazine or that newspaper. They got that article. You don't feel that hate. You don't feel that animosity. It's love. It's connection. It's support. It's applause. When you get recognized, when you are elevated high, we are there clapping our hands and shouting because we recognize the greatness inside of you. And that does not intimidate me. It makes me proud. It inspires me. It pushes me to, to find the excellence within myself and to try to do something that gives back and contributes. So I felt that on Sunday. And I still feel it. If you can't tell, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I feel that, that excellence in me. It was the same, different in some respects. But I, I felt pride coming out of Black Panther. So I, I've been reading the comics since I, was, since I was a kid. And, you know, this comic emerges in 77 and it's the first time, uh, well, the title emerges, his, his title comic emerges then. Um, and I don't know, like seeing in literature, this, this character who was, who was king and he was, he was a scientist and he was a warrior and he was in this beautiful, amazing country that was leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else on this, on the African continent. It was, it was amazing. Nothing else was like that. And then I, I, I got older and had a different sensibility and started to read them more. And so at this point, this is later Reginald Hudlin, he's writing. And that's what, so Storm and, and T'Challa get married, which is, which is super dope. Um, and so that's an amazing view of like, you know, it's, it's, it's before Jay and, and, and Beyonce did it. Like it was that kind of like the two greatest getting together and becoming husband and wife. And so in more recent history, Ta-Nehisi Coates, he's writing, and Between the World and Me is a favorite book. And so he's just, he's an amazing writer, amazing author. And so he jumps in 2016 and it's A Nation Under Our Feet is a title that he's writing for. And so you got these great authors, these great men contributing to the canon of Black Panther. Movie comes out, I sit in the theater and I watched it a little bit late. I didn't get to it until President's Day and I sat in that seat and it was like the movie washed over me. And... I stayed, of course, because, you know, this after credit stuff. So I stayed until the lights came on and just so amped up and so proud. I've been trying to think of 
and I, I don't and I don't have it. I'm trying to think of an experience in, in film. I there's other things that I've experienced that made me proud, but I'm trying. I was trying to think of a film that made me feel that much pride, and I I don't I don't have one. I've I've enjoyed moments of of what what black folks have looked like in film, but to have this, to see the, the vast array and the honoring of African culture and, and really staying core to who that character is and, and bringing in those components. It was just, man, it was beautiful to see. So it stirred at that pride again. And so that pride is, you know, in this film that, and it's fiction, but there are these themes that, that help us to wrestle with who we are in reality. And then I'm with my people here in Richmond and feeling that pride of who I am and affirmed in my blackness. And I, I remember that the roots of this, that my journey in this, it starts with shame. It starts with shame. I was a child in an environment where my brown skin was not a good thing. It disconnected me. The experience for a lot of, of, of black and brown people in this country is one of limit. Limit and sometimes the thinking of yourself and who you think you are. Those limits have been cast on us, but sometimes we put those limits on ourselves and we really hold them to be true. Limits on where I can go. True, real limits imposed by laws that happen or perceived because of people's actions. Maybe not even, might not even be a place that is um, safe for me to go because of what I look like. And so there are these limits, there's these limits. And so that's a lot of the experience of, of black and brown people that you just, you're not free to do whatever you want. You don't have access to, to everything. And so my journey starts off with the shame of who I am because I'm experiencing racism overtly by my peers, these other kids in school. I'm seeing my mother go through it as she's trying to navigate through this neighborhood. And I grow up, you know, talking white and, um, not fitting in with white kids. And so I, between Linden and, and Hazlitt, these two different neighborhoods, Linden was, you know, it's South of Newark up in, up in Jersey. And that's, that was home. That was church. That was family. And so to those kids and my family, I talked white. Didn't help that I also have a, have a sometimes perceived white name. Um, and so then with the white kids, I don't fit because my skin's brown. It is not until I go to college. I go to NC State and NC State starts black students with their own orientation. About a day and a half of just isolated education and and really pouring into students to prepare them. At that point, I don't know, five, six, maybe percent of the population uh, of 20,000. So not a lot of students. And, and these are some of the smartest, brightest, best in the country coming to, to Raleigh to go to school. And I remember I sat in that seat and they show a film and it's, it's, this is the who am I session. And any of you listening who went to NC state back in the day, you guys remember, remember this experience. And I sat in that seat and it was the first time as we kind of went through these presentations of history past Dr. King and, and past Sojourner Truth and just past the names you always hear digging a, a level deeper into who we were. 
and I was connected to my ancestors in a way I never was before. I was aware of, of a little bit of even my own family's journey, but it piqued my interest to learn so much more past the, 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 the common things that were taught. And so we had a history lesson, a history lesson that affirmed us. And then we were told about our purpose and our connectedness to one another and that our survival depended on us being our brother and sister's keeper. And the only way that we were gonna make it through that university, how we were gonna matriculate and ultimately earn our degree was if we did it together. So right from the beginning, they, they knit us together in community. That's how we made it. That's how we survived. And I remember the group of guys that, that, that I met um, that day I know a lot of them still, I'm still connected to a lot of them. And it's beautiful, you know, when you go back to homecoming and you're catching up and you see what life is for them. And it's beautiful to know that that was our foundation. And so that moment turned me, that moment turned me to a place of recognizing this brown skin is, this is a good thing. Feeling affirmed and learning my history, learning more about who I am, where my family comes from, digging into the generations before me, learning my grandfather's experience and what that was like being a sharecropper, hearing more of my mom and my dad's experience, living through segregation and coming out of that and then raising a child and the decisions that they made to try and secure a better future for me. And now me as, as, a, as a grown 40 some year old man raising this beautiful, beautiful brown girl who I know at some point someone's going to say you are less than because she's female or they're going to say you're less than because you're brown. And how do I build her up? How do I affirm her and pour into her so much so she knows it's a lie? She knows it's a lie. My daddy says, my mama says, so I know who I am. I know who God says I am. So I don't, I don't want to believe that. I can't believe that. I can't, that can't be true because this is what, this is what they tell me about myself. I have that responsibility to get her ready for what life is gonna throw at her. And so I'm grateful for this journey from, from shame to pride of knowing who I am. And what this does, it secures my identity in a way that I can then appreciate someone else's identity. So I'm not struggling with loving myself. A lot of times our, our struggles with other people have nothing to do with other people. It's about, it's about us. We can't love other people because we don't love ourselves. We don't have good self-esteem, so we knock down other people. And so this journey from shame to pride has helped me realize the inherent value in someone else, in particular, someone who was white. It'd be easy for me to carry pain and, and unforgiveness and, and hatred in me for people who look like the people who caused me offense. That, that'd be easy to do. I don't do that. What I feel, this pride that I feel, this esteem that I feel helps me show love, helps me show compassion to learn someone else's journey. For those people who are connected to the native people of this land, what is that experience like? What do you experience now? For those whose heritage is connected to Latin America or to South America, our Latino and our Hispanic folks, what is that experience like? I want to know more about it. When I was coming up, you know, you weren't just white. You were you were Italian, Italian. You were you were Polish. You were German. There was this connection to to the home country, and the uh, that's been <laughs> that's been whitewashed away. So, what is that experience like? What is it like to live now in this generation, knowing two generations ago there were racists in your family, 
And maybe even your parents taught you some things that you now discovered are wrong. And how do you turn from that? How do you go home at Thanksgiving and have conversations? How do you do that when your view is so different than your parents or your grandparents and you're having conversations? What is it like to step into those spaces? So me being affirmed in who I am and in my blackness, my blackness allows me to create space for other people to experience their journey. And that's and that's beautiful. And I and I am so grateful for for my peers who affirm me in my blackness and who keep me accountable, who push me to make sure that my lens is 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 pure as I do work and try to serve and be engineer, artist, and community advocate here in the city. I'm grateful for the people who don't look like me and our relationships and how we can affirm each other and push each other to dig more into our stories and where we come from and our heritage. And so my hope for you is that wherever you are on this journey, if you, if you are closer to shame, that you will find healing, that you will find moments where you really feel love and acceptance and get to see the skin that you're in as a good thing. When you were created, you were created as a good, good thing. No matter the circumstances of your mom and your dad, you are a good, good thing. And so feeling that love, knowing that truth, and coming out of shame to find a self-view that looks back on who you are and where you come from with joy and with pride. And for us, my hope for us is that this connection we have with each other wouldn't it wouldn't just be a feel good. Like it's it's cool. So this is what I don't want. It's not just eating food and music and art. Like those are dope and cool and we do that and that's hey, yes, we should do those things. Okay? But the deeper, the deeper opportunity for us is to see so this is this was an experience of folks who look like this and and they're still dealing with that. There are still injustices, there are still inequities towards people who look like that. Can that pierce you? That reality that now we are dealing with the impacts of what generations before us did. How they devalued black people, brown people, the native people they got devalued and they made laws and they made practices and they set up systems and, and we are still dealing with the impacts of some of those decisions today. How do we wrestle with that? And how do you, how do all of us, how do we find our place in tearing some of that down and building up something new? Maybe it's not something we see, but our children and our children's children, see, they see, they see the fruit of our labor. That's my hope for us. That our, that our pride in who we are would connect us and help us to value each other. But then we do something with that, that we would dig deeper and look for opportunities to make life better for as many people as we can, making this a richer neighborhood, a richer community because of the work that we're doing with each other. As always, I appreciate your thoughts and your comments and your feedback. Todd at ToddBWaldo.com. This is 40 Lessons. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please take care of yourself. Let's make sure that we take care of each other.